Welcome to Central Assembly of God's podcast. We pray this message speaks to you. All right, so today's going to look a little bit different. I think every Sunday just looks different, so I can't say it's going to look different than previous weeks. But we want to just share what God's doing. Uh, We want to share testimony today, and we'll explain a little bit more about that. I'm just going to do a little bit of teaching in between uh, a few of the testimonies. So I'm going to actually ask Pastor Todd to come up at this time. We usually share. Give it up for Pastor Todd. We usually have people from the church body uh, share testimonies of what God's doing, but God did something really cool in Todd's life. It just happens to deal with the church too, so we're going to let him share. Okay, good morning. So how many know that God's good? Come on, let me see your hands. How many know God's good? All right. I know God's good, and I shouldn't be amazed every time God amazes me, but he just blows me away. So anyhow... When the church decided to go to one service, I immediately said, there's a problem. There's a problem with parking. Going to one service, we were going to begin to push many of you people to park further away from the church. And let me tell you something. People will will go to Walmart, and they'll drive around and drive around until they find a spot. They'll come to Central and not find a spot and turn out and go somewhere else. And I said, we have to do something. So at first I said, let's use the vans. And if you've ever ridden on one of our vans, they're clunky and they're hard to get in and out of. And we tried them and I just said, that's no good. So I began praying and God told me to get golf carts. Okay. And so uh, I brought this up in staff. We have a prayer every morning uh, in the the prayer room. And I brought that up and Pastor Jawan said, are you praying about it? And I wasn't praying about it. And he said, you need to begin to pray. And he said, not only begin to pray that God will provide the, uh, the golf carts, but he said, you need to pray that God will provide the finances. Now, that's different for me. That, that's really different for, for me. So anyhow, I began to pray, and I began to pray, and I began to pray. At the same time, with talking with Pastor Don, Pastor Don said, why don't you rent one? Why don't you bring one in? Why don't you see if there's a need? Why don't you see if the people like it and if they'll use it? And at the same time, the idea was, if you guys liked it, we were then going to ask you to finance it. <laughs> yeah, that's, so, so that was Pastor Todd's taking care of it. That's not really trusting God. <laughs> so anyhow... I found one in, uh, in uh, Uniontown, and we brought it here for, for four weeks. And for the four weeks, many of you have commented on how much you liked it. Many of you have said what a blessing it was to not have to walk all the way up it. Uh, one particular uh, lady that has trouble walking, she said it was a godsend. I had a mother with three children said, you know, how nice it was for a mother to get to church and, and not have to walk all that distance that, that she can hitch a ride. This morning, the people were saying how nice it, it was to uh, be able to get, it, how nice it is to be able to get a ride up to, to the church that they don't have to walk the distance. And so, um, as I researched them, uh, I, I, I settled on that uh, we wanted an electric model. We wanted one with six seats, and we wanted one that the roof extended over the back two seats, 
And uh, so I found a deal- dealer in Ohio. So what Todd didn't know during this time was that a week before when he was researching the different things, and, and by the way, I, I love Todd's childlike faith. It's a simple faith that believes that God can do the impossible. You know, we'll, we'll be praying, you know, about revival or about like all these, you know, spiritual things in, in the prayer room, and Todd's just there seeking God, and he's like, God, you know, I, I want a golf cart. I want two golf carts. And, you know, you can like sense the staff's like, he's crazy in a really good way. Because you know why? He saw a need, and he actually believes that God will provide that need. So what Todd didn't know was uh, uh, just a, a week before when he was researching that, just uh, right down here after one of our services, an individual approached me that had given in the past uh, specifically toward the building fund, but they said that they sensed from the Lord that they weren't supposed to give necessarily to the building fund. They didn't know what to give toward during this time. So they just said, uh, they asked if I could just pray about specific needs, you know, the church has, actually not just a need that the church has, but things that, that they could give toward uh, in the church. So uh, this individual asked to meet with Pastor Juwan and I, because that's who they met with previously when they had given uh, to another fund. Um, so we met with them the week after and presented uh, this individual with, I don't know, maybe eight to 10 different either needs, like past needs that we still, you know, we're, we're paying on, uh, current projects that we're working on, or future areas of development. And through that conversation, uh, the one idea, you know, really stuck in this person's spirit. We, you know, agreed upon it, and it was given as a designated uh, gift specifically to one specific uh, project. Now, what, you know, what Pastor Todd didn't know that it was actually to the golf cart, and he's still doing the research. He's still thinking, we're going to ask the church to finance this. But in the whole time, we didn't solicit funds, but the Lord sent one specific person unannounced to us to say, this is ringing in my spirit. So it was a Tuesday morning in staff, and Pastor Kurt said, Todd, why don't you go, because I'd been sending him all the information about all the golf carts, the prices, and everything about them, and he said, why don't you share with staff the update on the golf carts? So I took and I shared the whole story. I told him where I found one. I shared with the price, and God had told me from the very beginning to have two. So you always have one coming and one gone. So two two, uh, golf carts. The price was reasonable. They were electric, extended rooftops. They were coming with new batteries and new tires and, and all kinds of stuff and everything. And so as I'm talking, Pastor Kirk begins writing on a piece of paper. And then he folds it up. And, and I hate that. You know, when we get the offering and you got one all folded up that you got to unfold. But he folds it up into a little square and he says, passes it down. He says, don't open it until you're done talking. So when I get done talking, I have to unfold the whole thing, and I look at it, and it says $10,000. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and so I don't know what it means yet. All I know is it says $10,000, and I'm looking at him very puzzled, and that's when he shares with me that somebody donated that to pay for the golf carts. So I began thanking God and praising God for, for, for uh, providing the need for it and everything. But here is me of little faith. It costs $11,910 for, for the golf carts delivered everything. And I said, but what about the extra money? <laughs> <laughs> and so it was the next week that Pastor Kurt at staff took and he shared with me. He said he took and he told the donor of the money how excited I was, how excited 
that the, uh, the, uh, the dealer was to hear. I shared the whole story with the dealer about what God was doing and everything, and, and the, the dealer was excited and everything. And that Tuesday, Pastor Kirk comes back and he tells us that the, the uh, person that donated $10,000 donated the other $2,000 to buy it. So they began asking me all kinds of questions. So I'm calling the guy and everything. And Pastor Kurt said, well, what about when they get here if we don't like them? So I call the guy up, and he says, I've never had that problem before. He said, but if there's a problem, you should come see them. So the next morning, I drove to Toledo, Ohio, to look at the golf carts. And when I got there, he had three uh, of, three of them, six-seaters. Go ahead. You want to put the six-seater up there? We have two of those. So I picked out the two we wanted, fin you know, finalized the whole deal and everything. But while I was there, they had this utility cart. This utility cart. <laughs> it was nice. And I'm, listen, I'm going to be honest with you, all of you, because when we talked about getting the golf carts, everybody started talking about what they were going to use them for, you know? The back seat flips down on it, and you can haul stuff. And I'm thinking about, they're going to destroy my golf carts. <laughs> so I asked this guy about this golf cart, and he says, well, that thing costs as much as your six-seater. And I said, yeah, but don't you have something ugly? Don't you have something that's faded? Don't you have something that costs like $1,000 that, you know? So he starts taking me around the property to look at the different things that he had. And then he showed me a golf cart that was for $2,500, and he told me he'd print new batteries and new tires, and he told me he'd print this utility box on the back end of it for free. And I'm like, okay, that sounds great and everything. I, I thanked him for, he worked with me great and everything. I thanked him for everything he did, and I told him, I said, if I'm interested, I'll get back to you. So on the way home, there was a gentleman I called and asked him to go to Toledo with me, but he couldn't go. He couldn't get off work. He calls me on the way coming home. Would you see him? What they look like? You know? So I began telling the whole story. And then I began to tell him about this utility cart I saw. And when I was done telling him about the utility cart, he said, Pastor Todd, I'm on board. He said, I like how you've researched everything. I like everything you've done. I like everything you've found and everything. And he said, if you want to get that utility cart, I'll give you $1,000 for it. So when I came home and I told Pastor Kurt about it, and Pastor Kurt told me I needed the, the chain of command to check with everybody and see if that's something that we really needed. And so I asked Nevin, and Nevin said he needed to ask his deacons and guys and everything. And the next day he got back with me and he told me, yes, that they wanted it. And so October 10th, I ordered the utility cart. Well, see, and there's the utility cart. And, and the utility cart has already been, been proven that it's helping out on the campus. People are jumping in it, run, running on stuff all over it. Last weekend, we used it to carry stuff from the FLC building to everything. So it's, it's going to be a great uh, access to, to what we do the ministry here. 
So I want to, first off, I have to thank God for providing. I have to thank But he's just an awesome God. He, he, he blew me away with this, and he'll, he's going to blow me away until the day he takes me home. But I thank him. And I want to thank everybody that's involved, that was involved in uh, getting these uh, carts and everything. And, and I really believe that these carts will be used for ministry, to minister to people. As people are being driven back and forth, they're going to be ministered to. I mean, it's just another way that we're reaching out and showing our people that we love you and that we care about you. I actually think this is much greater than a golf cart. I believe the Lord did something in Todd's life that will allow him to pray, and our entire staff, our entire team, to pray in greater faith uh, for things in the near future. Like I said today, I'm not going to share uh, an entire message. What I want to do, uh, as we were preparing for today, I was just thinking through some different things, and the Lord started downloading stuff, and he told me that there's a mindset that needs to be broken in the church of America, but specifically, this is where I'm talking. So I believe that the Lord wants to break a mindset in the area of finances, and I want to use the golf carts as a launching point uh, to that. Because what I believe what happened with Pastor Todd is an answer to one man's prayer of faith. You with me? So you may, may, may or may not be able to fully catch <clears throat> what his vision is right now. But what Todd did is he saw this parking lot being filled with people. He saw this church, this house being filled with so many people that we'll have to use down by the, the playground and across the street from the rock. So because he saw in faith something that he did not see in his natural mind's eye right now, he saw a solution that the Lord gave him that says golf carts. And Pastor Todd probably wouldn't have thought of golf carts as a solution, but the Lord gave him that. So with Pastor Juwan's encouragement, not just to pray for the golf carts, but to pray that the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the Lord who created everything, who owns everything, would actually provide the finances needed. That's a faith-building exercise in Todd's life. Now, it would have been different if he would have come and said, hey, can we take the 12000 and so many dollars out of the general you know, church fund, and we're just going to use this now. It would have been a completely different story. Are you with me? Because a golf cart isn't on a high-priority need list right now. So what we did is we began to pray along with Todd, and it's been so much fun to see as the Lord has provided for him. So what I want you to know is this. Faith for the golf carts was actually tied to a larger vision of faith for a growing church family. The golf cart was simply the solution. Hebrews 11.1 1 talks about faith. It says, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we don't see in the natural but Pastor Todd saw a church overflowing with people. And he was so sure of that, he knew that a solution needed to be given for a problem that we'll have. And because of that, he started hoping for something that God dropped in his heart called a golf cart. But as his confidence in the hope that God would provide something, such as a golf cart, his assurance that it was actually going to come to pass grew and grew and grew until one person talks to me about a completely separate situation. A week and a half later, we share all these needs, we share all these projects, share all these opportunities, and the Lord says, no, I've picked this one because I'm responding to faith. So this is the mindset that I believe that, that needs to be broken. Is that you could be sitting here saying this in your mind. We don't need golf carts. 
They aren't a necessity. It's not a priority. We don't want to get into excess. Why didn't we just start with one, right? This could be things that are running through your head, and I want you to apply this to your own personal life because it's really not about the golf carts. We have other things that need done around here, right? Your husband wants to buy one thing. He wants to paint the shed, and you want to paint the kitchen. It's all about priorities. I want you to realize two things is we don't get to set priorities for God. Our priorities of what is most important in life at a certain time may not be what God's thinking, right? So we have our own priority list at home. We have our own priority list in our personal life, in our work life, and in the church life, but we don't get to set those for God. God is going to respond to faith. And I want you to see this is the second area of this mindset is that there is a difference between need and faith. And I want you to ask yourself, does God respond to need or does he respond to faith? This is, this, is the, this is the crux of a mindset that needs broken in the church. Because I think that the answer to that is quite easy. It's, oh, he responds to faith, right? But I think without saying it, we, ought, we automatically think that he's going to just respond to need. If God responded to need alone, there would be no poverty. There would be no homelessness. There would be no starving children across the world that we show the videos of to give toward. Are you following me? If God simply responded to need, there would be no needs. But the Bible doesn't say he responds to need. It says that he supplies for our needs, but he responds to faith. So what we need to do is turn our needs of a church like Pastor Todd did. It was a perceived need for transportation. As this church grows, it's going to be hard to keep a family atmosphere, but he wanted hospitality. He wanted welcomeness. He wanted, he wanted that environment to stay. So he turned a need into faith. So I could sit around and say, well, I need this in the house, and I need this, God, and we need this. That's not faith. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without what? Having a need? No, without faith. So the word of God says it's impossible to please God without faith, okay? So I'm the lead pastor here. I can look around these facilities and I can see hundreds of different needs that we have, right? On a priority list, I could put 20, 30 things above golf carts as a priority list. But there was one man who saw something in his spirit before we saw it in the natural and began to pray in faith. And God said, I see this need, I see that need, I see all of these needs. Oh, Here goes one person that's praying in faith right now. I like that. I'm attracted to faith. I'm pleased with that faith. And he responded. And that makes me really happy. So regardless if I personally saw the need for a golf cart, or if I personally saw the need for a room in the house to be paid, whatever it is in your own life, we can be excited that one person had faith and God will see your faith and he'll answer that request in faith. So God loves us in our need, right? God loves those who are in third world countries who are starving. But what that does is it it should turn our need, our perceived need of what we see these people going through, your needs in your own personal life, and it should turn it into a plea of faith that we're approaching God for. In Philippians 4, uh, starting at verse 15, if you want to turn there, you can. This is Paul talking about the Philippian church helping out in his needs, And it says, as you Philippians know, in the early days, this is Philippians 4, verse 15, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving. Now follow this. Paul's saying, no other church but you partnered with me in both giving and receiving. There's two sides to this mindset. 
except you only. It says, for even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once while I was in need. So Paul's saying the need was real. I needed support, but there was faith attached to it with Paul. Paul understood that it's impossible to please God without faith. Then he goes on in verse 17. He says, not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. So the financial support that the Philippians were giving to Paul was given in faith. And I'll show you why we know that in just a minute. I'm confident that God was approaching or that Paul was approaching God in faith for his needs. He wasn't just expecting. He wasn't saying, God, don't you see me? I'm in need. I expect this from you. If you were a loving God, wouldn't you supply just all my needs? And I think Paul understood faith needed to be a matter of the heart there. I think he also understood that what the Bible says here is that God rewards those who diligently seek him. Well, you can't diligently seek him without faith. So as your faith arises, as your assurance arises in what you hope for and what you're confident of, then you seek him with all of your heart. And then he rewards you because you have sought him. In fact, in Hebrews eleven six, you don't have to turn there because I'm going back to Philippians. That same verse where it says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. Watch what it says. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So our faith in God is directly related to our reward from God. I want you to understand that. Our faith in God is directly related to our reward from God. It's not how much need you have in your personal life that's going to get God's hand to move. It's our faith in him, our trust in him, and what he alone can provide. Paul even says in verse 17, that his desire for these gifts wasn't as important as it was to be credited to their account. So Paul knew that by them giving to a need in faith, that God would reward both the giver and the receiver, right? So the receiver in this situation was Pastor Todd. But the giver in this situation will also be rewarded. It will be added to their account in the heavenly realms because of their faithfulness. They gave in faith and, Paul, and, and Todd received in faith. Paul was receiving in faith in Scripture, and the Philippian church was giving in faith. And he said, I'll receive the reward in the natural. You'll receive the reward in the spiritual and the natural. So there's an aspect of giving and receiving. And in verse 18 of Philippians 4, it says, I have received full payment and have more than enough. Our God is the God of more than enough. And that's a mindset that needs broken. We could say amen in church, but do we believe it in our daily lives? that our God is a God of more than enough. And this is where it gets tricky because we'll say things like, well, we don't want to have excess, right? We don't want to be wasteful with things in our home and our families. These comments come from a pure heart, but they also come from a wrong mindset at times. Because this mindset tells you if there's something left over, that that means it's being wasteful. But this is where prosperity comes in. It's not about adding an extra gold watch to your wrist. It's about using the more than enough to invest into his kingdom, to meet a need that somebody's praying for in faith, right? To see where the Lord is leading your heart to give, whether that's time, money, resources, whatever. But it comes from a belief that God is a God of more than enough. So we have to watch because of our mindset about money and material items, is a mindset of, I'll barely ever have enough, then we'll start comparing what other people have 
versus what we have, and we'll actually start to judge them, become bitter at them, or even bitter at God himself. I've talked about three mindsets before. I'm just going to go over it quickly because I do want to share testimonies. The first mindset, and maybe we'll get into this some other time in more depth. First mindset is a poverty mindset. This is not just about money. This is about your mindset of how you approach life. The poverty mindset says, I will never have enough. Well, if you believe you'll never have enough, you probably won't have a very strong prayer life in faith, but you might have a lot of excuses of why you'll never have enough, right? I can't pay the bill. I can't do this. I'm never going to do this. My car will always be broke. My air conditioner will always be messed up. It's a poverty mindset. Now, people can be rich with things and still have a poverty mindset. And I want to tell you too, you can actually be under the poverty line of income, but have a provision or a prosperity mindset. So please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying if you don't have a lot of money or if you don't know where your next meal is going to come from that you have a poverty mindset. I'm not saying that at all. Because Paul also said earlier in Philippians 4 that I can be, or I, that I, I'm saying confident, but that's not the word. Content, thank you. Thank you. That I've, I've learned to be content with much and I've learned to be content with little. So I'm not talking about what you actually have here. Let's learn to be content with what we have and let's believe for more. Not just for the bigger house or the bigger car. The more than enough so that we can make an eternal difference. Is this making sense? A poverty mindset says, I'll never have enough. You have a lot of excuses, little prayer, and pretty much no results or very little results. And it's a mindset. The next one is a provision mindset. That, mean, that belief system is I'm going to have just enough. Now, this is usually faith-filled prayer mixed in with anxiety. And you get little result from it. Do you know the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, give us today our daily bread? That should actually be a faith-filled prayer. That should not be a, oh God, please just provide. I just want one more days of bread. I just, want, I just want this. When you're anxious like that, what are you showing God? You're saying, I believe that you're going to give me just enough, but because I barely have just enough, there might be a day that I don't have enough. And you slip right into a poverty mindset that I won't have enough. So give us our day, our daily bread is saying, God, you give both seed to the sower, and, but you also give bread for food. So I'm trusting you today in faith that you're going to give what I need to, to be provided for. Now, I believe that what can happen is if you, if you only stay at that level, I'm just going to have enough. Your focus remains on yourself and not what you can do for God's kingdom. I'm just happy that I have bread. I'm just happy I survived another day. God wants you to do more than survive. The underlying lie that the enemy wants us to believe in this mindset is that there will be barely enough or worse off, not enough at all. The last mindset I want to talk about is a prosperity mindset that believes that you will have more than enough. These are faith-filled prayers because you're looking at the God of more than enough. So there are big results because there's faith-filled prayer, right? Now, your mindset should not be compared to your possessions. You might have a lot, and you might hardly ever pray in faith to receive from the Lord. So don't think the people you know, that, that live in the big houses, oh, they must have a prosperity mindset. No, they could have cheated their way there, or they could have a prosperity mindset. Do you see how I'm not talking about your possessions equating to your spiritual maturity, or your possessions even equating to your mindset? I'm talking about a mindset that needs broken. So when we see somebody getting something that we always wanted, we don't get angry with them. So take this in your own personal life. Well, actually, take this to Jesus. If you look at it, Jesus always had more than enough. You know, Jesus was homeless. When his ministry started, he didn't even have a home. 
He always had a place to stay. He always had a boat to travel in when needed to get there. And when he multiplied food, did he give just enough? Did he say, oh, your, your tummy's already full. You don't need any more. We're trying to spread this all out. Somebody say no. No, he had 12 basketfuls left over because he's a God of more than enough. I don't know where those baskets went, but there were 12 disciples that day. Maybe they all took their basket home with them. So I want you to think about your need today. If it remains just a need and you expect God to fulfill that need just because you have it, then you will start to see other people receiving what you want and you'll start to get mad at God because he hasn't given it to you because you need it more than they do. So picture this, your car's broken down. You can't get to work for a week. You have to organize friends and family to get you there. So out of that, you say, God, you know that I need a car. Well, that same week, your neighbor next door to you, who might not even be a Christian, gets a brand new car, and they already have two that work really well, right? So what are you going to say? God, she doesn't need a new car. She already has one that works. All I wanted was a used car, right? I just wanted a little rinky-dinky thing that could barely make it to work and back. Is that faith? No. But because you've perceived your need to be bigger than the other person's, you feel like an injustice has occurred against you, like God's withholding something from you. No, God loves you, but it's impossible to please him without faith. So what happens is if you get mad at God or if you get jealous of the person with the new car, then you're actually proving to yourself that you're need-focused and not faith-focused. And you might actually end up making up stories. They probably cheated to get that car. Or they probably know the owner. There's no way they could have done this. There's no way they could have done this like on the up and up. Because I'm a Christian and they're, right? You see the mindset? If you have a prosperity mindset of more than enough, then what you'll do is you'll turn that need into faith. And you might say something like this. Father, you're a good God and you hear my prayers of faith. And I declare that I'm your child. And I've already been given every spiritual blessing that you have for me. So today, and I pray asking you to open up the doors of blessing and provide either a vehicle or the money for a vehicle that won't just get me to work, but that will take me anywhere you want me to go, right? Provision is, I just want to go to work. I just want to go to work and back. Prosperity mindset says, I want a vehicle that's strong enough and healthy enough and good enough to take me anywhere you want to send me. So if you're taking me to California to pray with somebody, if you're going to take me down to Nevada to minister to somebody, if you want me to move for a job, I want a vehicle that's going to provide what you want me to do. It's a, it's a mindset of more than enough. In verse 18, Paul says this, I'm amply supplied now that I've received from uh, Epaphrodites the gifts you sent me. They are a fragrant, fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. Now, I love this. Their gifts... Their gifts to Paul weren't just a fragrant offering. It wasn't just a sacrifice, but they were gifts of faith. You know how they were gifts of faith? What does it say that it was, if anybody has their Bible open? It was pleasing to God. Without what? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And Paul's saying your gifts to those in need were done by faith because they were a pleasing aroma, they were a sacrifice, but they were also pleasing to God. So they were done in faith. And verse 19 ends it all. And my God will supply all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So this is a promise that he'll actually supply for all of your needs. Any need that you have, he'll supply for as you respond to him in faith. It's not automatic. This is an inheritance thing, right? 
When we become children of God, all of our blessings get put into the spiritual bank. If you were here earlier this year, you would know this. Faith is the currency of heaven. So as we make our withdrawals from our bank account, our spiritual account in heaven by faith, then we rely on God to supply for our needs. And then we don't care if somebody else gets a car. We don't care if somebody else gets the house. We can celebrate what God's doing, and it can actually build your faith to receive it for you. And because you know, oh my goodness, that person got a car. There's no way I have enough money. God doesn't have enough money to give me a car too. Right? Like God could create a car in your garage if he wanted to. So then whenever your neighbors or family members or another church, oh my goodness, another church gets a property given to them for free. Oh, we've been looking. No, no, no. God, I praise you that you performed this creative miracle to give this property, and now we're believing for the same. My faith is now risen because I've seen it in action. Though I can't see it with my physical eyes, I saw it somewhere else, so my faith can rise to believe for here. Prosperity, or I'm sorry, <clears throat> a poverty mindset deals with in giving will say, I can never give because I'll never have enough. The provision mindset for giving says, I will give just a little, but only after he provides just enough. But a prosperity mindset says, I will give generously because he will always provide more than enough. So I just want to pray that we break our mindset. I want to pray that, that if there's a poverty mindset in here, when you break a mindset, like I'm using that word break, you're just repenting. You're saying, you know what? I do agree that this was a wrong mindset that I've been living. I've been comparing myself. I've been believing that I'm just going to have barely enough. But when you repent, you're turning away from that mindset and then you're walking toward a new mindset. So you're actually changing how you believe. It changes how you pray. It will actually change how you give and it will change how you live. I'm not trying to get that to sound cute either. It'll actually, it's changing the way you believe. When you believe something differently, you're going to start to pray differently. When you pray differently, now you're going to say, you know what? I'm investing. I'm investing in the kingdom because he's a God of more than enough. And it'll actually change your lifestyle. So I want to pray for that now, and we'll share a little bit. Let's just bow our heads if you're comfortable. Yeah, Father, we just come to you in this moment as feeling led by you. And God, we just want to confess that we've had a mindset before of a poverty mindset or maybe even just as of a provision mindset. And God, we know that you see us when, in our needs. We know that you love us in our needs. But we also know that without faith, it's impossible to please you. So Father, we put our faith in you right now, and we just choose to break our agreement, to come out of agreement with any poverty mindset that we've had. In fact, we even come out of agreement with a provision mindset that creates anxiety in us, and we settle into the healthy side of provision of give us our day, our daily bread. And Father, we come into an agreement, not that we're going to have the nicest stuff all the time. It's not about our possessions, Lord, but we come into an agreement with a prosperity mindset of just saying, you want to give us more than enough so that we can be a blessing to other people, that we can care for our own needs through you, and that you can care for other needs through us. Father, we confess to you right now that we are rich by the world standards already. We are very, very wealthy, Lord, compared to two-thirds of the other world. So this is not about stuff at all. I pray, God, that you would bring us into a mindset that you are the God of more than enough. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Ushers, I'm gonna ask that you come forward. That was a really, really long offering. All right. If you could stick with me for maybe 20, 25 minutes, I just wanna share what God's doing. 
and we'll break. We just want to celebrate what God's been doing. If you were here last week, uh, I hope you enjoyed Paul Martini's uh, message on Saturday. There were people touched by God in just a radical way. People healed. On, oh, yeah, you guys can go ahead and start. I'm just going to keep talking. Um, on Sunday night, uh, Paul, Paul on su- Sunday morning, if you weren't here, you, you have to listen to it online or grab the CD. There was such a, p- a presence of peace. The Holy Spirit was here in peace, and people were being touched by God in that area. On Sunday night, it's great because one of, one of the areas of our manifesto says that we will experience your manifest presence and power in every service and gathering. And there's another portion of our manifesto that says that we pray that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done here at Central as it is in heaven. We anticipate ongoing clear evidence of your healing power in body, soul, and spirit. We've been praying this this entire year. Revelation 19.10 says, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When you testify about what Jesus is doing in your life, it actually foretells what can happen in someone else's life. So grab hold of these testimonies. Say, God, I want that one, I want that one, and I want that one. And let your faith rise as you hear it. I don't have time to read all these, but we have 22, and there may have been more, we have 22 people from our church body or from some local churches that visited that day that were healed immediately here on Sunday night through ministry. Absolutely. We can actually give God praise for that. We thank you, Father. Hallelujah. We have multiple people that had like those floaters and flashes in their eyes gone. We had an arm healed. We had a neck healed. We had an individual take out their hearing aids. We had somebody with a plate in their neck loosening up. Uh, a lump in an armpit shrunk down. There was stomach and abdominal pain that was feeling better. Um, neck pain, knees, shoulders. I mean, God was on the move last week. And listen, this is the way that we're approaching this is we're not, we don't, we're not expecting like, okay, guest speaker comes in. Oh, and the guest speaker leaves and then God leaves. No, we're anticipating God to grow and grow and grow and grow. We have to grow with him. Like, now I'm desperate. I need, I need to increase my faith. God, give me the faith for miracles as Todd does for golf carts. Turn that into a prayer. <laughs> so I want to share with you, we've been talking, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we shared about how we believe God has created Central to be ascending church. We listed over 80 names of people that went into full-time ministry, but I'm telling you, there are thousands more that have come through this church that are sent out into their communities and workplaces to do life supernaturally. So one of the things that in our manifesto we've been praying for is that there are weekly salvations both on and off this campus. The last two Wednesday nights, we've seen three youth give their life to Jesus, which is amazing. We're going to continue to pray, continue to pray that people come. And I want to share with you two, two things that happened off the campus and then just what happened this past Friday. Chad, you want to come up? This is Pastor Vicky's husband, Chad Barton. He just wants to share with you something that happened, I think it was just two, two weeks ago, maybe three. All right. Uh, all right, so, I don't know if I, okay, uh, I coach football, it's a kindergarten, first and second grade, and uh, unfortunately most Sundays during football season, we don't get to, me and Kay don't get to come to church, because they have the games on Sunday, uh, so we try to have a, a devotional, uh, me and him, well here lately we've had another uh, player, uh, Carson, he's been coming, he's been staying the night with us, his Mom's a nurse, works nights, and dad does DJ service type stuff. And uh, so instead of him staying with his sister, he comes and he'll stay with us. And uh, they were, they were uh, it was one Sunday, two weeks ago, and they were, uh, you know, Kate's got, I don't know, 10 Nerf guns, and they've got to fight over one Nerf gun. Uh, 
I'm pretty sure it was Nerf guns. It was something like that. And uh, so I was kind of getting frustrated, and so I was like, okay, we're going we're gonna to talk about sharing and, you know, giving this kind of deal. And uh, I just started out, I, you know, it was kind of a spur-of-the-moment deal, so I was like, all right, we're going to talk about, I sat him down, we started talking about how God gave us Jesus. And that's, uh, that's where I had, to, I don't know, that's all I had at the moment. It was kind of a, <laughs> it, yeah. So it was kind of a spur-of-the-moment deal I was, before I started beating them. No. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's what they, uh, you know, I started telling them, you know, and, and Carson, he's, he's, I wouldn't say, his parents grew up Catholic, I guess I should say, which I don't know nothing about that. But, and that's kind of sort of the way they raise them, sort of. And uh, I mean, I don't know, I really don't know how they that deal. So, uh, so anyway, I started telling him, how, you know, how God gave us Jesus, you know, saved us and stuff like that. Well, he started having questions. Uh, and uh, anyway, it led into uh, him basically uh, started asking questions about, you know, I, I asked him if he wanted to give his life. And, uh, you know, he asked stuff like, I mean, like, uh, uh, well, he, he didn't know if he wanted to because he didn't want his soul to die. <laughs> you know, I mean, he just didn't know. He's six. Yeah, so, uh, anyway, so, I mean, long story short, me and Cade, uh, we helped, we, uh, he gave his life to Christ. We helped, me and Cade, yeah. helped lead him to Christ, so, that's <laughs> kind of neat. So we have a coach making an eternal impact on these kids, and there, there are tons of stories that we're hearing about him being called so he could pray with kids and praying before games. But there it will be, there's a six-year-old that's now in the kingdom of God because of something that happened off, off of our campus. Wonderful, wonderful. Esther and Gwen, I'll ask you to come up now. Esther is um, what I would consider our, a local church example of a modern-day revivalist. I'm, t- I'm telling you the truth. She, she expects the results that, that Jesus said, to go and proclaim that the kingdom of God is at hand, to heal the sick. Hasn't, haven't raised any dead yet? Not yet. Cast out demons, cleanse the lepers. What scripture actually says we should do to revive the church and to reform society and culture, Esther's doing. So she's going to share, and then Gwen's going to share after. Thank you, Pastor. Yeah, let's come on. Good morning. My heart's just overflowing this morning with the goodness of God. I just, we pray and pray, and then when we see him move, we're surprised. <laughs> We're just so filled with, my heart's filled with joy. Uh, For those of you who don't know, I've been mentoring uh, college-age young ladies in my home for about the last six weeks to two months. And uh, we started out with four, and I think we have seven and maybe a couple more. (laughs) But um, the Lord is just doing such beautiful things in the hearts of these young women but it's not all about them. He's filled my home with joy That's and good. love. And it's just just awesome. But I didn't come up here to give my testimony. Gwen has something wonderful to share with you. Thank you, Gwen. Gwen um, uh, was with us for the first time last Sunday. And uh, the mic is hers. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> Uh, last Sunday, I gave myself to God. Come on. And 
then everybody prayed for my fear to go away. So now I don't let fear control me anymore. And then they found out that I couldn't do much because my feet were, had plantar fasciitis in both feet. And that I couldn't, uh, I lost 30% of motion in this foot and 20% in this foot. And I got that all back because they prayed with me for, uh, for God to heal me. Thank you. Yeah. All right, let's give God praise. What happened to Gwen in one day is what it reminded me in Acts chapter 3, when the man uh, who, who was a beggar, he was crippled from birth, he gets healed, and then it says that he was walking and leaping and praising God. So you see spiritual renewal, you see physical renewal, and then you see emotional renewal all in one encounter. That's what Gwen faced. Fear is gone. Her feet were healed, and she comes to know Jesus as her personal Lord and Savior. It's amazing. Yeah. All right. So I actually have five more people that are going to share, and you're going to stay because you're going to be really excited. So listen, we did five weeks of training, kingdom ministry, on Sunday nights, and a lot of these people are growing in this stuff already. And then we brought Paul in. The worst thing that we can do is learn new revelation about how God wants to heal people outside the church walls or how people can come to know Jesus outside the church walls and then just sit on it. You know, it creates uh, junk, really, in your soul because you know all this revelation and your faith is building, then you don't actually act on it. So just talking with uh, Pastor Adam and Pastor Juan, we decided uh, that right after kingdom ministry was done, we were going to begin sending teams into the streets. So Pastor Juan decided on Friday nights, um, I think, what time did they meet? Six o'clock? Six o'clock. Uh, there, this was the first week, just two days ago. After this training, there were teams, there were, I think, five different teams that went out. 16 people showed up from our church to go out. Absolutely. Yeah, we could be very, very happy about it. And it was very simple. They listened to the voice of the Lord. Where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to pray with? And they went and they ministered the love of Jesus to people. And God showed up. And I want this to build your faith because regardless if you come on Friday night or not, you have a life that you live every single day and you can do this now. It's just really fun on Fridays because you're with other people. You get to celebrate with other people from the church. They come back and testify about what God's done. So I'm going to ask Eric, Matt, Leslie, Marlene, and Cameron. You guys could just come up close uh, here. Eric, you're going to share first, and then Matt, you'll be right up after him. So you guys can just come down to the front as Eric's talking. Good morning, family. We had an awesome time on Friday. Uh, it was actually a total of 18 people came out. Um, so it was just, man, it was so good. Uh, so, so the group that I led, we actually, uh, we, we got in the car and all we did was we, we said, all right, Lord, where do you want us to go? It was myself, Bernadette, uh, Al Will Trout, and Amy Openbriar. So Br Bernadette said, you know, I feel like the Lord really is going to send it. We need to go to Target. So I said, well, two nights ago, I had a dream about a blonde girl with blue eyes that needed rescue. So, and then she mentioned about a girl named Lisa. So we're in, tar so we go to Target and we're thinking about a blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl named Lisa. So we're walking around Target, walking around Target. We see one girl that possibly could be, uh, but that didn't happen. What happened was, what happened was God said, God said, stop trying so hard. 
just stop trying so hard. Because we were literally, we ran into other people from the church and, and we're, we're, you know, we're walking around like, is, is that her? Is, is that her? And that's literally, it was crazy because what do we do? Is that her? Do we go? So, so God just said, just stop trying so hard. So I actually was hungry and uh, sat down. So God said, get something to eat. So I got something to eat. God, you gave me permission to eat something to eat. <laughs> so, so I sat down and ate. And as I was sitting down and ate, I looked over to my left, and there was a gentleman with two kids. And God says, I want you to go over there and encourage him. He's a single father. God, download. He's a single father, and he needs prayer. And just encourage him. So, so what did I do? After I ate my chicken, chicken fingers, of course, <laughs> I went over and prayed with him and just blessed him. And it was awesome. It was awesome. God gets the glory. Thanks so much. Matt, you can come on up. Yeah, and there are more stories that are going to be shared today. We just want to give you a taste of what we're doing uh, outside the church walls. Thank you, Pastor. Well, the group I was with was with Jim and Diane Friedrich and Gwen, who just shared her testimony. We went out. Yeah, so Gwen gets saved last, last Sunday? Last Sunday, gets born again, healed, touched by God, and I was out praying for people, witnessing, five days later. Amen. So we, uh, I was running late from work that night, and I knew that, you know, I really wanted to be a part of this. I knew God put it on my heart to be here, so I get here at 6.15 after they had already finished praying. So I wasn't even sure where we were going, so we get in Jim and Diane's uh, vehicle, and we pray you know, Lord, where do you want us to go? And then uh, we waited, and there was not like a clear direction where we should go. And I felt that, you know, we should either go into Cannonsburg or maybe into Washington, because that's where most people are going to be. So we pull out of the parking lot, and we go right. So we figure, okay, we're going to Washington. And I remember saying, um, I said, there's a verse in the Bible that says God causes all things to work together for the good for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. And I said, even if we make a mistake, God can still, because we love him and we're called, that he could still direct our path. So we, just by faith, just start driving. And as we're driving, um, Diane said, you know, why don't we be fishers of men? And so we ended up going up the field and stream. Yeah. Now, that, that wouldn't have been my first pick, okay? Because I'm very mindful of the, you know, there's places like that have no solicitation and stuff like that, but I figured, you know, if God's calling us to go there, he's going to clear a path for us. So we split up when we were in there, and uh, I actually headed back to the firearms section. Um, not to make a joke, but I thought maybe if I'm handling like a gun, like somebody will listen, like the guy who's working there will... But it'd be real real to him then. But, but that didn't happen. Like when I was in there, I felt like, okay, I should just be praying for my other team members who are in, in there right now because they could, we split up and they could be used by God also, you know, and obviously we were expecting that. So I, everybody I walked up to was busy with somebody or they were just minding their own business. Everybody was kind of keeping themselves. So I, I went up front and just kind of waited for them to return. And I found out while we were in there that uh, Gwen, uh, if you go in the field and stream, right inside there, there's like a little checkerboard thing there. And uh, they were missing a, a checker or something. And before we left here, we had been given 
info cards that are in like a circle, little circular card. And she's like, here, why don't you use this? And so, so she was able to you know, give them information about Central Assembly of God. But then that was all that happened there. And, and we know that God, it's, it's all in his timing where we should go. So we got back in the car, and, and I just felt like the Lord was telling me, this night's not over yet. Let's head down into Washington. So we drove down to Washington and wasn't even really clear where we should go. We head towards Main Street and didn't see anybody out on the street. If you remember, Friday night was really cold and rainy out, so not many people out on the street. And then we headed down towards Jefferson Avenue, made the right, and we're coming upon a convenience store, the Kogos, and then there's that beer store. I think it's called Charlie's Quick Pick, Six Pick, or something like that. And there's a gentleman there leaning up against the wall outside with his hood up, and his hand was in his pocket just like this. And, and I said, that's who I'm supposed to go talk to. So can we just pull in and talk to him? And uh, we pulled in right in front of him, and uh, Jim and I got out. So, you know, God sent him out by two. And the lady stayed back in the car, but that was so critical, though, because I asked them, just please pray for us while we're out there. Because, you know, this is kind of unsafe what we're about to do, but I'm really worried about this guy's soul, and that's a little bit more important to me right now. So I go out to him, and I was just honest with him. I said, hey, um, I'm out with my church tonight. Or I said, we're out with our church tonight, and we um, are just trying to talk to people, pray with people, see if anybody has a need. And I said, is there anything I can pray with you for? And he said, no. So I said, okay, um, I'll just... I just keep talking to him, though. So I said, well, what's your name? He said, Charlie. And I just made a quick joke. I was like, they didn't name this place after you, did they? Because it's called Charlie's. And that made him laugh a little bit. But um, I asked him what he does. And he told me he was a bricklayer. And, that he, and then he started to complain that his boss hadn't given him his pay recently and stuff like that. So now I know, like, what he needs prayer for. And uh, I said, well, and then he started to kind of, like, ramble a little bit about that. And I don't want to keep this short, so I don't ramble. But, uh, um, it's really important, though. But I said to him, I said, would you go to church anywhere around here? And he said, no. He said, I, I'm Baptist, but I don't really go anymore. And then I wanted to get real specific with him. I said, well, if, when you stand before God someday, if he were to ask you why I should let you in, uh, what would your answer be? Or what would you say to him? And he said, oh, I'd have a whole lot of things to say to him. And he just starts going on again. So I had to bring him back again. I said, no, specifically, what would you say? And then he just kind of humble. He said, I don't know what I'd say. And then I, I told him, I said, do you know what John 3.16 says? And he didn't. So I told him, you know, for God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And you need to, the only thing, the only acceptable answer at that point is that Jesus took away my sins took away my shame and my guilt, and that's why I can't enter is because of Jesus. And he, and he thanked me for that. And I said, can I give you a gospel track? And he didn't want it. So we continued to talk, and uh, he told me that he had a twin brother named Lester and that people get him confused all the time. So I was just trying to joke with him again, so I started calling him Lester, just to joke with him a little bit, break the ice more, because I was trying to be mindful if he wanted me to keep going. If he wanted me to go, walk away, I'd walk away. But what the Spirit was revealing to me was that this man's broken. And what I didn't mention is what I saw in his coat was he had a, a big beer can, like a, I don't know how, it looked bigger than a normal can. And, he's, and then eventually he just had it out in the open. And the Spirit was revealing to me that this man's ruining his life. 
It's a Friday night. You don't have anywhere else better to be than out here in the cold by yourself. Don't you have family? I was wondering these things, and the Spirit's revealing this to me. And I said to him, um, you know, do you have a place warm to stay tonight? I was going to tell him about the city mission if he didn't, but he said he did. And then I said, do you know, like, does anybody pray for you? Has anybody prayed for you today? And he said, no. And that, that broke my heart. Like, this guy, like, nobody's praying for this guy. We all get prayed for, but, you know, nobody's praying for this guy. And it just broke my heart. So I said, I'd like to pray for you. Even though you didn't have any requests, I can pray for you. And I said, can I? And he said, yes. Yeah. So I laid a hand on him, prayed for uh, the Lord to give him work and to provide him money for income. And uh, just said amen and asked him if I could give him a hug. I gave him a hug. And, uh, and then I was carrying a gospel John with me. I had some free copies of that. And I said, can I give you this? Would you like that? And at that point, something changed. And he said, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. So he, he received that. And uh, right after we were done praying, another lady that knew him walked by. And uh, she said hi to him. And I said, oh, you know him, huh? And she said, yeah. I said, uh, we're out here talking to him about Jesus and praying with him. And she goes, oh, yeah, he really needs Jesus. I said, yeah, we all do. And I said, uh, do you go to church anywhere? And she keeps walking away from me. <laughs> and uh, Jim gave her a, a, one of those cards, the same kind that Gwen had, and uh, gave her a thing about Central. She asked at that point if we had anything for the kids. I said, yeah, we got the best. Uh, so come on out. And then we finished up with uh, Charlie. Uh, gave him another hug. And told him we'd be praying for him and that God loves him. And um, I just give all glory to God. The Bible says... Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth in whom his favor rests. So to him be the glory. That's good. Thank you, Matt. That's good. Leslie, you want to come up? Um, I went with uh, Shirley Giorgetti and Chris Duff. And uh, Chris got the revelation that we should go to Tangers. So off we went to Tangers. Easy enough. And... Cheryl and I, it was, it was cold and rainy, and Cheryl and I, as we walked, got colder and colder until we obviously looked cold. And there was a lady working in a store that had no customers, so she had her door open, and she was just leaning on that door watching people go by. It was as though God had a big arrow over her head. Talk here. So we looked at her, and she looked at us. We were so obviously cold, she just laughed, and we just laughed, and we all started to laugh about the cold weather. And then she said, well, why don't you come on in? So we're like, oh, this is going to be easy. We can do this. So we went in, and it turned out that she was from India. She had come to this country 15 years ago, and she said, uh, I, I gave her some testimony about Jesus, some amazing things that Jesus had done. And she jumped in, and she said, I know Jesus. And she said, uh, she gave us a testimony. She'd come to this country 15 years ago. And uh, when she was in India, she had um, been educated at a Catholic school. And she was still Hindu in her heart. She said, there are many, many gods. And, uh, but when she came to this country, she was on the highway and got lost and was panicked, didn't know what to do. She pulled off to the side of the road and she said to Jesus, Jesus, this is your country. You're going to have to help me. <laughs> and uh, we all know Jesus is faithful, and he did. He had uh, somebody pull up right behind her, and the guy came to her window, and she said, I'm trying to find 79. And he said, I'll go in front of you. You just follow me. 
And uh, so Jesus had a wonderful response. And as she got on the highway, she looked in her, uh, she was looking for him, and she said he was just, boom, it was just gone. He was just gone. So we all thought it was an angel. Uh, so anyway, we got to, t- you know, we kept talking to her and explaining that Jesus wanted to be in her life that same way that he was that day, every day. And uh, Chris spoke into her life a little bit prophetically, and Cheryl, Cheryl kept uh, trying to get it across to her that this Jesus wants to be the Jesus of her life. And we didn't get quite as far with that as we wanted to, so Cheryl and I still both have a burden for her, so we're going to go back and see if we can we can talk to her again. But it, it was a blessing, and it was fun. That's good. Thanks so much. All right, Marlene. And God will put these people in your path every day if you're just willing. Well, uh, I went out with Mary Jo and uh, Anthony Brock, and uh, at first we got in the car, and we didn't know either, so we were just praying and waiting on the Lord where to go. And he took us in a couple different directions, and we just felt that wasn't, that wasn't where we were to be. And then I think it was Mary Jo that brought up the casino. <laughs> so if you see anybody from our church at Charlie's Six Pack or a bar or the casino, they're there to pray. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so anyway, we got turned around, and we headed for the casino. And um, it was just a really, a really blessing. We got to pray for, I think, five different people. And um, one of them, man, had ALS, and another one that was on oxygen. But I'm going to mostly share with you about the one lady. Uh, Mary Jo was led to right to that direction because the man, who we didn't know at the time, was her husband. And he had crutches that were up against his slot machine. <laughs> and... Um, so we thought that would be a good one to pray for. So we go over, and he wasn't very receptive. So uh, Mary Jo started talking to the lady. There was a seat in between. That's why we didn't know they were together. But anyway, um, uh, she was very open and uh, wanted to receive prayer. And she said that she uh, had been on crutches also and that she had fallen um, down just one step but it really injured her leg, and she had surgery and had uh, the metal and the screws and, you know, the normal thing they do when, when you have an injury like that. And um, that triggered Mary Jo to think of the testimony we had just received here um, uh, on Sunday. Where was it? Sunday night. Yeah. Um, there was a testimony given on the video about this lady that had the metal and uh, screws in her arm, and when she was prayed for, they just, it just got absorbed. So Mary Jo shared that testimony with her, and I'm sure that built, built her faith and started praying for her. And, uh, and then when we were done praying, I just thought, well, uh, I'm going to ask her if her pain's gone, how she feels now. And, um, and she, I asked her, Do you, are you having pain now there? And she said, um, I only have it when I walk. I says, well, okay, let's test it. Get up and walk. <laughs> and um, so she got out of her chair. In front, she was in front of the slot machine there. She got up and she started walking. And just the look on her face and her husband's face, and she just said, no, there's no pain. <laughs> the pain's gone. <laughs> so... 
she was she was very surprised and very thankful and we just uh, blessed her and told her that Jesus loved her and Jesus healed her and um, that was it <laughs> awesome thank you so much I would have liked to have been one of the security guards watching this camera and this lady like walking around. She's like, she didn't even win. Why is she surprised? Because God showed up. Cameron will be our last one today. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So I was in a group with uh, Donna, Petra, and Rhonda. And excuse me for forgetting your last names at the moment. Uh, so we get in our car and we just ask the Lord, okay, Lord, where do you want us to go? So we're driving down like racetrack road asking us, asking the Lord, okay, where do you want us to go? And I hear somebody yell like, Target, which was, I guess was a hopping in place on Friday night. <laughs> so we get Target, and then somebody else got, um, got a hamburger, and we're like, okay. So we like write it down, and a couple other things were said, and so I was driving, and I said, all right, well, I, I think we should go to Target. So we went into Target, and so I split up. We split into twos at Target. I was with uh, Rhonda at Target, and we were walking around. And eventually, we were walking around for like maybe 10 or 15 minutes, and I'm kind of thinking, ah, oh, maybe you want I don't know if we're going to find the person that we're looking for here. And then we see by the, the costumes, uh, there's a, th a group of three girls in the aisle. And one of the ladies in the aisle had a hat with a hamburger on it. <laughs> and, oh, and somebody else had like red shoes, I think was another word that was said. And there was another girl there with red shoes on. So, so when, when he's talking about this, they prayed and they're just asking God what's called a word of knowledge. So they're saying, give, give us clues of who you want us to pray for. So the Lord says red shoes and hamburger. It doesn't mean anything to them until they meet a group of girls with a hamburger on the hat and red shoes on. Yeah, so we saw that, and uh, I started laughing. I had to, like, walk away for a second to compose myself. <laughs> it's like, I know something's going to happen here. So, so Rhonda and I get together real quick, and we're like, okay, we're going to go approach them. We're going to ask them, you know. So uh, Rhonda goes up to him, and it's a group of three girls. So I said, Rhonda, okay, you, you go up and, you know, introduce yourself. And so we asked them, like, hey, is there anything that we, we can pray with you about? Is there something that, you know, on your heart or something? They said, yeah, like, we could pray about some stuff. So we prayed about some things that are alive in their family. And I just felt in my heart, like, I knew, like, just to ask them, you know, if they knew Jesus. So I asked them, you know, like, has anybody ever told you about Jesus before? And they're like, well, like, yeah, I've kind of I've been to church a couple times and, and stuff like that. And so, I, you know, I told them, you know, about, like, you know, like a short gospel, like, you know, like, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Like, nobody sees the Father, uh, you know, except through him. And I just asked them, I gave them the invitation. I said, hey, I would like to extend an invitation to you, like, right now to accept Jesus into your heart as, like, Lord and Savior. And that way you can go home tonight and rest your head in the pillow knowing that you're right with God. And I said, would you like to accept an invitation? They said, yeah. So we yeah. gathered up and we just prayed, prayer of salvation. That's good. And then after we were done there, um, I found the rest of my group members and we said, I said, hey, I said, that's like, we should go somewhere else. I said, let's go to Walmart. So, <laughs> so we were walking around Walmart and um, the other group, not the group I was in, it was uh, Donna and Rhonda. Again, they found a group of, uh, I don't know, was it was a, a young man and a, and a lady, yeah, and his mom. So it um, turns out they were actually in like financial stress and, and everything and they just felt really impressed on them just to give whatever they had and they got to pray with them and they also led them to the Lord there on Walmart. So it's a good, good harvest on Friday night. That's it. Yeah, thank you so much. Let's just give God praise one more time. You can stand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. The kingdom of God was at a six-pack store 
The kingdom of God showed up at a casino. The kingdom of God showed up at Walmart. The kingdom of God showed up at Target. The kingdom of God showed up at Tanger. I'm probably missing a few places. But the kingdom of God showed up. Do you know why? Because there were men and women with the kingdom inside of them that went to those places. God could absolutely sovereignly touch somebody in the middle of a casino, but he's waiting for you to go. Jesus says in Luke 17, and I'm just going to have Adam play. The, the band, you guys don't have to come up. We're just going to call people forward uh, for prayer if they want it as we release. I'm sorry. I, yeah, we're not going to sing right now. Jesus says, on being asked, once being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom or the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. Many of your translations say is in your midst, but if you look up your study note, that's most likely under many of your translations, it's within you. So the kingdom of God is housed as an invisible reality inside of you through, your, through the Holy Spirit. And he's waiting to get out on everybody you touch, wherever you go, whatever you do. You don't even have to meet here on a Friday. But the kingdom of God wants to show up in bars. The kingdom of God wants to show up in the casino, in Target, in restaurants. We just have to be willing to go. There's a, a preacher, well-known preacher named Leonard Ravenhill that quoted this. The only reason we don't have revival is because we are willing to live without it. It's the only reason, is we're willing to go on and on and on in our daily lives without actually being revival. I've heard an evangelist say once, you know, you can pray and pray and pray for a sovereign move of God and a sovereign revival to just show up and blast the church. Or you could realize that revival is inside of you already Amen. through the Holy Spirit. You've been given love. You've been given power to go and share. So we don't have to wait for him to show up, though we ask him to show up all the time. We can actually just go, just go. I'm going to pray. And as I'm praying, um, I'm just going to ask the altar team to come forward. And it's as simple as this. If you're not right with God and you want to get right with God, if you know, if you would lay your head down on your pillow tonight and it would be your last breath here, if you're not sure that you would go to meet God in heaven, then you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You know in your heart if you're right with God or not. So if you want to be right with God, you'll just come up and talk to somebody. These are trusted people up here uh, as our, part of our altar team and our pastoral team. Also, if you need healing for something, you heard about testimonies of healing. So we're going to pray for you. If you need healing, they're going to pray and we're actually going to believe it's going to happen now. If it doesn't happen now for some reason, we're going to send you in faith and we want to hear testimonies. In fact, we heard of a testimony even this week of somebody uh, progressively getting better throughout the week uh, for their physical condition. So I'm going to pray. The altar team is going to come forward. If you need Jesus, you want to be right with God, or if you have a physical healing, really any need, you can come forward. Everybody else can be blessed as you leave here. Father, we uh, just pray believing that you've already broken off a, a poverty mindset from us. And God, we believe that you've built our faith throughout these moments together. Father, I thank you for just willing people to just go and do life with Jesus, to just go and be revival where they go. Father, we thank you that we're not just hearing testimonies when an evangelist is in town. And we're not just hearing testimonies of what God's doing elsewhere. God, but we're hearing testimonies of what you're doing through men and women of God here at Central Assembly of God. I thank you that your spirit is here and he's moving and he's flowing. And God, this is just the beginning. In fact, we prophesy that today. This is just the beginning 
in Jesus' mighty name. You have so much more for us to accomplish, so much more for us to do that you would receive all of the glory, honor, and praise. So Father, we just ask for your blessing now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.